Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning. You guys are the super holy ones. And because uh, you're here early, and it's great, and I haven't seen any of you since last year. I totally stole that joke, and it's still funny. So <laughs> I'm glad you're here this morning. Happy New Year. It is good to be together. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. We had a wonderful Christmas with our kids. And uh, I love that, as Casey said earlier, we get to, one of the first things that we get to do on the first day of 2023 is gather together with our hearts and our minds focused on Jesus. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that we get to start a brand new series. And I think this is an appropriate, such an appropriate way to begin a year with a a series focusing on prayer and what that means for us and the power that that comes comes to us through that and the way that we can experience the Lord. I'm excited for this series for a a number of reasons, but one of those reasons is You'll get to hear a number of different voices. You'll get to hear Pastor Holly teach and preach. You'll get to hear from Pastor Scott and Nikki as well, uh, especially on those weeks that I'll be gone in Asia, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Trip to Asia with our, uh, to go uh, be part of a retreat for our Asia area missionaries. And so Pastor Mark and Judy Morrison will be going as well. So we're excited to, to, uh, to be doing that. But you'll hear from a number of our, of, uh, of our pastors here in the next couple of weeks. One of my hopes for this series is that we will learn more about prayer, uh, especially as an essential part of life with God. But I also hope that we'll be reminded of the wonder of prayer and its importance in our daily uh, life of faith and how important it is for the world around us that we are people of prayer. So we'll talk more about the in, the, in the coming weeks, more about maybe some of the processes and the mechanics of prayer. But for this morning, I want, I want to start us off with a focus, to kind of give us a framework, a way of thinking about prayer, maybe a way of thinking about what prayer is meant to be or how prayer is meant to be experienced. So, and I, I can't wait to share these thoughts with you because I think that as I was reading and studying for this, the Lord did a, a work in my heart that I'm wanting to share with you this morning, and I couldn't be more excited. Uh, don't you love that? How it doesn't matter how long you've been journeying with the Lord or how often you've studied certain things that the Lord can bring new insight and provide a deep uh, way of reconnecting you to essential parts of faith. So that happened with me, and I'm really excited to share about that. So let me start by asking you about your prayer life. What has your experience been in the journey of learning how to pray? How do you think about prayer? How do you think about what prayer is? How do you experience prayer? What does that daily routine look like in your life? Uh, Pastor Holly and I were talking about that this week, and, and I'm sure like many of you, we've had similar journeys with with the, the process of prayer. I've had sweet and deeply meaningful times of prayer. In fact, my calling to ministry came through three really significant times of prayer over the course of about six years. I'd love to tell you that story sometime. But I've also had other times in my life where I've struggled with prayer. <laughs> How about you? Where I've embodied that old adage, I feel like my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> How about you? Well, today, as we dive in uh, to prayer, I pray that the Lord will deepen your love of prayer, 
and deepen your desire to pray. And maybe for some of you, rekindle joy in the process of prayer. Throughout the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament, there's a theme which I think is powerfully connected to the idea of prayer. And the theme, surprisingly, is this. It's that of paradise. Okay? Now, you might be saying, paradise, Pastor Kyle, isn't that an overly rose-colored glasses way of looking at it? (laughs) Prayer, paradise? Well, actually... To start our thinking about what prayer is, to give us a framework of understanding prayer, I'd like to take us to a fairly familiar passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. And uh, just to give you a little bit of context, this is a moment of prayer that Paul is talking about. He's going to tell us a little, a little bit about uh, a time that he was in prayer. And in fact, this is a fairly well-known passage, but for a very different reason. You might recognize it. It reads like this. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. (laughs) Only the Lord knows, which I love that. Like, oh, that's, that's, okay, that's great. Uh, Yes, only the Lord knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. It goes on. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what can be seen in my life or what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. Now, what's fascinating about this passage is the reason that this is so familiar to us is because the next verse, Paul talks about being given a thorn in his flesh to keep him from being prideful, to keep him humble. That's why this passage is more familiar to us. We know it from that. Uh, but what I want to focus on here is this, uh, this first part of it that we, we just read, which is unbelievable, but we always kind of go over it, right? We kind of skip right through it. But I want to focus on this idea where Paul mentioned the part of prayer being caught up to paradise. Now, I would say there's often questions about what is the third heaven. And I would say don't, uh, that, that is kind of an ancient way of understanding geography. The first level of heaven is the world, the ground, the the thing you're walking on. The, third, the second level of heaven for them was the star and the sky and the atmosphere. And the third level of heaven is what we might just call heaven. So there's kind of a cool like little learning tidbit there. He's not thinking that there are three heavens. It's just his way of referring to heaven. But there's this fascinating moment. Uh, this is such a fascinating moment because what we see here in Paul is he's talking about his own prayer life. He's describing a time when in a moment of prayer, he's given this incredible vision. He talks about being transported to heaven. And it's kind of fun to hear him talk about it. Uh, try to, him try to describe it. He says, I'm not sure what's happening. I don't know if I was inside my body or not. It was odd and only God knows. But what I do know is that I saw things so incredible that I don't actually know what to say about it. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? <laughs> and this is an incredible prayer moment. And in this incredible prayer moment, Paul uses a word that seems normal to us, but in its original context might have sounded a bit odd. And the word is paradise. 
What's interesting is that the word paradise in both the New Testament Greek and in the Old Testament Hebrew is the word that's translated garden. It's translated garden. So Paul essentially says this, I don't know what was going on, but I do know that I was in the garden. And heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. The garden. Interesting. Now this is powerful and maybe you're already making connections because we know how the Bible works. That there are threads of really cool themes and powerful things that work through. We start to make these connections. So maybe you're starting to get, make these connection, connections in your mind already. And maybe you're starting to get excited well, let's make another connection together. Like putting pieces together of a puzzle. There's another place that this word paradise is used, the very same word, and this time, Jesus is the one who uses it. In Luke 23, verses 40 through 43, we find the story of Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, and in this story, there are two other men being crucified with Jesus. We know the two thieves, one on his right and one on his left, one of the thieves begins to make fun of Jesus, mocking him. And the other one does something very different. This was our Easter passage last year. Maybe you remember this, but it reads like this. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So when the criminal asks Jesus to remember him, Jesus' reply is, I'll meet you later today in paradise. <laughs> Which I think most of us interpret as, well, I'll meet you later today in heaven, right? But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus tells the criminal, I'll meet you later today in the garden. I'm getting all excited. I hope you are too. <laughs> Obviously, Jesus is a, is a Jewish man. He's very knowledgeable about the scriptures. And when he uses the word paradise or garden, he knows that there is only one garden that will come to mind for the thief and to the readers of the scripture. And we find that garden all the way back on page two of the Bible, the Garden of Eden. This word immediately brings to mind the Garden of Eden. Jesus also knows that in referencing this idea of paradise, which is translated garden, which would bring to mind the Garden of Eden, he knows that in referencing the Garden of Eden in this way, he's doing something. What he's doing is he's calling to mind the most important aspect for humanity in the garden. That they lingered in the unhindered, unfiltered, unmitigated presence of God himself. This is so meaningful because what paradise and gardens are in the storyline of the Bible is one of the most potent symbols to talk about the place where heaven and earth meet. Where the line between humanity and the presence of God gets real thin. <laughs> the Garden of Eden was the place where humanity walked side by side, nothing in the way, not sin, not shame, walking freely and talking in the full-fledged presence of God. One commentator wrote that, uh, that the garden is where the heavenly abundance and source of all life that create, creates an environment that's just exploding with divine presence and life. 
this is prayer. Jesus replied to the thief, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in the garden. You will be with me in the unhindered, unfiltered, unmitigated presence of the living God. Wow. And what's amazing about seeing this word paradise or garden used beyond Genesis is that even though Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, apparently the invitation to spend time in God's presence in the Garden of Eden, in a Garden of Eden type of way, is not lost from the world. Praise the Lord. It's an ongoing and even current reality, particularly accessible through prayer. And when these pieces started coming together for me, It was incredibly meaningful and rejuvenating for my prayer life. As a framework to think about what prayer is and how we should experience it. Because I realized that this invitation to the garden is a way to experience God's eternal and perpetual presence. It's there in Genesis. We didn't lose it. It's here in Paul's vision experience when he talks about being in this. The only word he can think of is paradise or a garden-like experience with the presence of God. And it's there for the thief at the invitation of Jesus himself. And it's here for you and me too. Now we'll talk about some of the practices and methods uh, for prayer in the coming weeks. But the more that we say yes to God's invitation to the garden, where the line between heaven and earth is thin, the more that we can tune into him, to his true reality, <laughs> the one that is created and sustained by God. And boy, don't we need that type of connection these days, don't we? When reality is trying to be defined this way and that way and this way and that way, and it quickly gets confusing and overwhelming, but God invites us to the garden to be renewed, reoriented, and to be with his, in his presence. This is such a compelling framework to think about prayer, amen? Often we've thought about prayer as maybe pulling away from our current reality to experience God. We often think, we see this in the early church at times, we may think of this as kind of connected with monastic communities, and at worst we think, well, that kind of prayer is only for the spiritual elites, right? But this invitation isn't about pulling away from what is going on in our life. It's about taking everything that we are in all of our life circumstances into the garden, into the presence of God. We then have an incredible opportunity to be grounded and planted in the presence of the one who shapes our reality, who shapes, he he is the source of all beauty and all life. We take all that we are, good and bad, worries, struggles, sufferings, and we take it into the presence of God. And he can give us perspective and he can comfort our hearts. And reorient our thinking and reality. This is incredible. (laughs) This is the invitation we have to prayer. I think another helpful outcome of thinking about prayer like this and this way is that you can't then just box prayer away and say, okay, I've had my quiet time. Now I'll get on with my real life. Thanks God, but I'm out. (laughs) Real life is in the garden with God. In the presence of God. 
And it's not something you just relegate to a few minutes here and there and a few minutes away. It's a present reality available to you and me at every moment at the invitation of God himself. Come and be with me. It reminds me of the passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, which says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What a great invitation. <laughs> In fact, uh, this is maybe a, a topic for a, a, a a future one of these sermons but or messages, but the word for unceasing prayer or continual prayer that Paul uses uh, in Scripture means to rest into, to fall into. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it has a sense that we aren't striving for God's presence, but we need to learn to relax into the garden. <laughs> what a great way to think about how prayer works. This perspective is helpful to me because if I'm honest, I think too many times prayer is something that I can actually try to wrestle into my reality. Have you ever, have you ever tried doing that? Has that ever felt like that to you? <laughs> like reaching out and grabbing onto God and pulling him into my world and say, Hey God, did you know this? <laughs> I need help with this or I need help with that. Help me out. <laughs> I'm not letting go. <laughs> One author I read this week wrote this. Even in the church, our prayers don't exchange overwhelmed lives for transcendent peace. They simply drag God into our overwhelmed lives. And the only way that we can make him fit is to shrink him down to a reduced size. We keep on praying, but we lower the bar of expectation and power in prayer. I don't want to reach out and wrestle God down to my size. <laughs> I don't want to shrink God to a reduced size or lower the bar of expectation for prayer. Which I can and probably do often. I want to step into the type of prayer where, like Paul, all I can say is, I was caught up in paradise and I heard things so astounding that they can't even be expressed in words, things no human should be allowed to tell. What I've come to understand is that what the scriptures teach us is that we are being invited uh, to bring all of who we are and all of what we carry into the garden or the unmitigated, unfiltered presence of God, to the fullness of God's presence, to relax into this garden itself, and to take a stroll with the creator and sustainer of all things. That's the invitation that we have in prayer. It's in God's presence where we find the most powerfully transformative moments. That's kind of this next step is when we're in that moment or in that garden with God and we experience that presence. We're going to be changed in God's presence because that's what he does. No matter how we come to him, he's going to transform and change us. Paradise, the garden, is an invitation to walk in the very presence of God and it can change everything. You know how I know? Well, because of one more garden story that we find in Scripture. I love the scripture. I love how powerful these threads can be to our understanding of how God works. Scripture is bookended by gardens. In John chapter 20, after Jesus' crucifixion, we find Mary, and she's weeping at the tomb of Jesus. It reads like this. Mary was standing outside of the tomb, and, she and, uh, and as she wept, she stopped and looked in. 
And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Oh, so good. You can't write a better story than that, right? (laughs) Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him. And that actually, in other translations, she says she ran to him. She ran to the garden. She recognized. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. She realized who he was. She thought he was the gardener. How great is that? In this garden, thinking that Jesus is the gardener, which he was, (laughs) the gardener who originally planted all things, right? Mary's life changed forever. She saw the risen Jesus, knowing in that moment that everything had changed for her and everything has changed for you and me. Mary stood in the very presence of the revealed Messiah. Once again, humanity stood in the fullness of the presence of the creator of all things. God, Jesus, the risen Lord. (laughs) Woo! And the message that Mary was to take to the disciples was one which meant that you and I are also invited into this very same place. Paradise. The garden. God's unmitigated presence. This is prayer. The garden isn't just in the past, thankfully, as in Eden, chapter or page two of the Bible. It's not just in the future, one day when we will eventually be with God. It is a present reality here and now. And it's an invitation from the Lord himself. So, how will you respond, is the question. I'm so thankful for this beautiful invitation and what it means for all of us. Casey, would you come on back up? As we uh, spend a few moments together in uh, in prayer and in communion, uh, and then as you go from here today, I would encourage you to ask God to help you think about uh, prayer maybe in a new way. Maybe this framework of understanding this invitation to the garden or this place where the the humanity and the presence of God, uh, where we can actually be in that presence in heaven and earth, Get real thin, that, that line. Maybe ask God, uh, this is helpful uh, for a new way of thinking about prayer. I encourage you to ask him to help you relax into that garden, into his presence. Ask the Lord to give you perspective and peace, to speak to you deeply in maybe a new way or a refreshed way. And I pray that we can get excited about a journey of prayer over these next few weeks together as a church. We're going to continue to talk and learn about prayer. I'm going to invite you to some significant prayer times to pray about the future of, of uh, what we get to do together as a family of faith and uh, just really excited about what this looks like for us over the next few weeks. But I'd like to invite you to prayer and then we're going to invite you to a time of communion as we linger in the presence of the Lord. Well, let's pray.